Welcome to Succession Stories. I'm Lori Barkman. As an exit value planning and M&A advisor, I call myself the business transition Sherpa. This podcast guides entrepreneurs from transition to transaction, from building value in your business to letting go. What do I do when I'm not hosting a podcast? I work with owners to maximize business value with my firm, small.big. And as a certified mergers and acquisitions advisor with Stony Hill, I guide you through the complex process of selling your company. Tune into Succession Stories for weekly insights to reward your hard work and avoid succession regrets. Hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and sign up for our newsletter at successionstories.com. Here's to your success. Is this the year to sell your company? Don't leave your exit to chance. Stony Hill Advisors works with entrepreneurs like you to get ready for what may be the biggest transaction of your life. Learn what your business is worth by visiting stonyhilladvisors.com slash podcast. Craig Klickner and Carrie Bolig are married co-founders of several companies, including Tandem Consulting, Simply Automate, and their nonprofit, which helps older children in the adoption process. Their businesses, which initially started as side hustles, have allowed them to step away from their full-time corporate careers and instead become full-time parents and entrepreneurs. Their eight income streams bring in over $3 million per year in revenue. They have a thriving podcast called Tandem Talks and are newly published authors with their book, So You Want to Start a Side Hustle. We talked about their best advice for anyone aspiring to have more time wealth, the ability to spend your time as you choose, so you can focus more on what really matters to you. Carrie and Craig, welcome to Succession Stories. It's not often that I have more than one person on the show, and I think you guys are probably the first married couple I have had on the show. So that's a dubious honor, of course. This is exciting for me to talk to you both. I really am interested in your story of where you've been and also where you're going. So welcome to the show. Hey, thanks a lot for having us on, Lori. We're looking forward to the discussion for sure. So you want us to give you a little bit of that background and we can take the content from there? Absolutely. I'd love to hear your backstory. Carrie, why don't we start with you? What's your entrepreneurial story and how did you meet Craig? Yeah, well, we actually met through our entrepreneurial journey. So it's sort of love story meets business, but yeah, I actually, there's a nice tryst there. Yeah, <laughs> I was actually an undergrad when I started exploring business and I didn't study business formally. I have degrees in sociology and women's studies, but it was when I was about to graduate a little bit before I had this precautionary pizza dinner with my dad where he was whining and dining me and just really put a plug for you have to do something extra like you did, you did school, you got the degree, you did a good job, you'll get a full-time career, but also do something else. And so at that point, I was just really seeking and trying to figure out what my options were. I didn't have capital. I hardly had a resume at that point, honestly. So it was just what would be something I could get my foot in the door doing and grow skills, grow my confidence, grow my business acumen. So it was at yeah. that point where I actually met some coaches out of the Chicagoland area and they had built their business to several million in revenue using more of an affiliate marketing direct sales model. And so they were, they were open to helping me. 
And I was lucky I got my foot in the door with them because now it's been 16 years and they've still coached us really in a lot of areas of life, not just business. And I think that's a tip also is success usually isn't built in a vacuum. You know, if you want to be successful as an entrepreneur, having a good relationship, having a good, you know, health journey, all those things really do interface. And so I focused a lot through my 20s on just building a good foundation. And it was around my mid-20s where my business incomes, my part-time side hustles, they actually started creating me more income than my full-time teaching career. I was a preschool teacher. So it was at that point where I said, what the heck, I would way rather be my own boss be a full-time entrepreneur, have more time for passion projects, but then also help more people through those mediums. And that's where Craig and I really started to get to know each other. Um, he was technically probably, you know, more of a mentor, business coach, but also courting, right? Yeah. So, you know, a lot of what I've learned from a business stance, from a finance stance has actually come from him directly. So it's always fun to hear him share because that really changed that financial literacy really changed my trajectory, you know, not having any business background at such a young age. So. So you found a partner who really was a partner, somebody who could balance you out and you learned from each other. Craig, what's your side of the story here? My side of the story is different, but, but the same, obviously, in, in the rendezvous point. So I always say I was actually a risk analyst with General Electric uh, when I when I met Carrie and actually started some of my entrepreneurial uh, journey. And quite frankly, like I was looking to do more. Like I just sat in a corporate job. I was working for Deutsche Bank and then G Capital. Had the good good gigs. I studied finance and econ, and everything was going great. I just I didn't want to work for someone else forever. But I didn't have capital. I didn't have any ideas. I didn't come from an entrepreneurial background. So it's like okay, great real estate. And I'm sure some of you out there are like, okay, I'm going to do real estate. So I bought a real piece of real estate, 23. I then now they call it house hacking, but I lived in the basement. I rented the top three floors. So I netted $0, but I didn't have to pay rent, right? The question though, wasn't when I was going to buy the first property. The question is, when am I going to buy the fifth? And the answer was not anytime in the near future because I ran out of capital. So I was also investing in the stock market and MBA school and just like frustrated because it's like I'm winning, but I can't get to like this goal of financial independence. And so that's when we, Carrie and I met and really through a who, who had actually already created success. And a lot of people are really dialed in, what should I do? What should I do? And we talk a little bit about taking a step back, thinking about how do you want to live? What kind of person do you want to become? And who's already done it? And so that might feel a little hokey to some people if you're looking for real strategy, like tactical things to deploy, but it's like, there's tons of people who've already accomplished a certain level of success. If you can go find them and seek them out, they can oftentimes like point out things and save you decades of effort, right? Or decades of pain or loss from their expertise and wisdom. So we built that really direct sales, network marketing, like online revenue to about 3 million. During that time, Carrie stepped away about halfway through my thirties. Then I stepped away from my commercial banking job, which was like amazing, right? And so we rode off into the sunset to go more pursue being full-time business owners and part-time like business owners actually and parents really because that's what we wanted to do but what that's led us to now once we bought back that time i say once we divorced our time from our money then that really allowed us to chase more of our passion projects so since then we've been able to write a book with mcgraw hill we have a tech startup we're helping co-found which is really fun and exciting in the automation space uh, we have a podcast we do commercial real estate We've gotten to do some other investing. I do some, some gap financing and consulting for people, which is fun to use my banking skills. 
but we really just get to play more and like do things that we really want and pick up projects that sound exciting and fun versus just like grind. So I, I say life should be more of a playground versus like a manufacturing plant, right? <laughs> so, but a, a lot of people, and this is, then I'll kick it back over to you, Lori, but a lot of people end up becoming a slave to their business because they can't figure out how to scale it. They can't figure out how to automate it, or they think that's all they are. And they attach themselves to their business and they can't separate those. And so it kind of consumes them sometimes in, in not a healthy way, which I've seen as a former commercial banker many, many times. Yeah. And there's so many things we could drill down into in your conversation. I love that. Thanks for the background there. One of the things that I do, I wear a lot of different hats. One of the things I love doing is I'm an adjunct professor at Carnegie Mellon. I've talked about right. that on the show. I talk right. to a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs. They're coming out of that academic environment saying, I want to do something for myself. Right. And one of the presentations that I've done is the different types of entrepreneur. You guys, I'm going to put your faces in that presentation because yeah. ultimately you, you are talking about the side hustle. Your book is based on side hustles. But I think for the focus of today, it can be about that because ultimately what you are saying to a, an aspiring entrepreneur is find an area of interest and put your toe in the water in some way. And the big why that I was reading about you guys, which I think is really smart, is Many of us, when we when we get a job, right, if we're working for someone else, we're not diversifying our income stream. And there is a degree of risk. If you lose that income stream, what else do you have at your disposal? Some folks have a nest egg. Some folks have investments. Craig, you started buying real estate at a pretty young age, which is a great exploration and as an example. But this big why, you know, why should someone start a side hustle if they're thinking about entrepreneurship? One of your interviews, you talked about intrapreneurship, and I, and I like that word too, because it doesn't mean you have to go all in, take all the risks. You can start to figure out what your strengths are, what your interests are. And, and Carrie, you talked about that a bit. You were a teacher, but yet you were learning from these advisors about affiliate marketing and, and digital, digital e-commerce. So what would you say about that? If someone's considering going and taking the leap, how do you coach people today about that? Yeah. I mean, I think you can look at it from a few different angles, but number one, just taking a little bit of a deep dive on how we identify as a person, right? Because I think, especially if someone doesn't have a formal business background, it is so easy to write ourselves off as not mm. a business person. I mean, I had never considered business prior to starting a business. <laughs> it wasn't even on my radar. So being more flexible and open-minded and Carol Dweck talks about, you know, growth mindset. And it's, it's such a simple concept, but I do think people who succeed in business have a growth mindset. And often if people don't, they, they lack that malleability and open-mindedness to really see themselves in a different light and see the potential that they have if they put themselves in the right environment, have the right type of help and are willing to do the work for long enough so having a little bit of that bigger vision around what we want to create, but then also who we are and then more, more tactical, like in terms of what do, what could I do or what would be a viable business option? What's really helpful is figuring out what are you willing to do and what are you willing not to do? Because business ownership isn't for everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, a side hustle by nature is usually built on evenings and weekends because someone by default tends to have a full-time career if you're calling it a side hustle. So, you know, outside of the nine to five, when do we have hours to invest? It's evenings and weekends. So just being really honest 
and and candid about, you know, are you willing to travel? Are you willing to operate outside of your current industry? Some people aren't. They want to maybe do more consulting with their current expertise, but there are plenty of people who are open to operating in a different industry altogether and learning a whole new suite of skills. And when you think about diversifying your income, the power of that, right? Think about the power of diversifying your suite of skills and your network, the people that you're networking with. So those are things that I was energized around. And I think if you sort of feel that deeper energy, it's a good sign that you are more growth minded and, and that you'll be able to make changes and everything's a skill set ultimately. So who is your most important customer? The person who buys your business. Stony Hill Advisors works with owners to maximize the value when you're ready to sell. Get started today with a business valuation by visiting stonyhilladvisors.com slash podcast. And Craig, for you, talk about surrounding yourself with people. I saw an article that you wrote, I think it was on CNBC, about being the smartest versus finding people who are smarter than you. And maybe it's not smarts, maybe it's skill set. But what did you mean by that? In the corporate world, you usually want to be the smartest person in the room, right? So that you can look good, smell good, and like get the promotion. In the entrepreneurial world, you know, especially when I think about like the, the tech startup that we're helping with, I want to be the dumbest person on the team because I know I have a certain level of competence in an area, but there's a lot of areas that I don't know anything about software development. I don't know anything about some of these other things. And so it actually takes a really healthy ego because what happens for a lot of people, if they've had a lot of academic success, let's say, then sometimes this ego gets really high. Like I'm smart, I'm intelligent, which I'm sure you are, but that doesn't mean you know how to build a business, right? If you never have. And if you've built a business in one sector, that doesn't mean you can just switch sectors. And so what I've found is when I go into something with a sense of like humility, but that doesn't mean I'm bad or I'm weak or I'm not good. It just means I don't know this topic or this subject or this arena. And so like when we wrote our book, we got just McGraw Hill just ripped us apart, like in a good way. Like we didn't know what we were doing. We'd never written a book, mm -hmm. but it was like that willingness to put ourselves out there and just be around people who are editors for 20, 30 years and really smart. It's like awesome because then you learn a ton. Like I'm sure some of the things that you know and some of your deep expertise, Laurie, I don't really know about. So it'd be fun to maybe have you on our show someday or whatnot, but then like really dive into that because then it's not about you being smarter or better than me. It's about how can I learn from you and then I get better as a function of that. It sounds easy. It sounds like, oh yeah, of course we should all do that. But many of us don't. And I've caught myself not wanting to be the smartest or wanting to be the smartest at times when it's not the best play. It's really not if you want to grow long-term. A lot of folks on the show, we talk about this idea of building a business, scaling it, creating enterprise value, and then having some sort of transition, maybe selling, maybe passing along to family. You're building a scalable business. You're, you're creating, I think, uh, an enterprise. You have several businesses under one roof. How yeah. do you two think about where your businesses are going for the future? Carrie, do you think about building these businesses so that you can one day transfer them to management or to your kids who I know are pretty young right now, but how do you think about the future of the companies that you're building? Yeah, I think it's a good question. And I think at 22, when I launched my businesses, I had 
a very small version of the long-term vision <laughs> in mind. It was more just, you know, I want to build something and I want to take ownership and have that autonomy. But absolutely, as we've scaled, mm -hmm. you know, everything we've touched, I think there is an element of just thinking a lot more longer term than I ever did in my 20s. And just thinking about how do we create more legacy and generational income and the other aspect is just how do we create more time wealth for ourselves and for our children. So as Craig talked about really divorcing the time from the income, and that that takes time, right? That's not a quick process, but that was why we were willing to do a fair amount of work for long enough, because from the beginning, that felt like the most important thing was the time element. Time and wealth. Yeah. 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 And I think now when we enter a business venture, not so much when we were in our 20s, but now we have a very clear goal to exactly to your point, which we didn't early on. And so like with the tech company, the goal is to get it to 50 million in five years and flip it. Right. That's very different than some of the companies we operate now, which we'll kind of always be involved with. We love, we enjoy, but we'll be able to sort of there's enough passive or passive progressive income where we can kind of fade in and out. Right. Um, some of the investing we love, but there's there's always like a target of what you want to do. And I tell people it's really hard to get to said destination if you don't have a specific address because you punch in south in the GPS, you end up in Arizona, your kids want to be in Disney World, you're going to have a very upset minivan, right? <laughs> so if you have a, a destination when you get into your car, why would you not for your life and for sure for your business? So if you can start with that end in mind, everything now becomes a strategy to get there and you can surround yourself with the people who have already done it probability of actually succeeding is much higher when you know what succeeding looks like so yeah that's a great what i like to say important one yeah you need a roadmap you need a roadmap to get to where you're going but you have to know where you're headed for sure some people yeah. listening are business owners and they mm -hmm. are working 70 hour work weeks they're living that lifestyle that you were saying that maybe they haven't been going to the baseball games and maybe their health is deteriorating and they have all this weight on their shoulders. Perhaps they've been thinking about starting something on the side. Maybe it's in real estate. Maybe it's it's a new venture to make a change and a transition. And I know it's not an easy thing to do. Do you have a sense of time to say, yeah, you know, if you get started now, realistically, this is something that you could grow into over three years, five years, 10 years. How do you talk to your clients and coach them about making that leap? And when is it the right time? Also a, an important question, especially for someone who's considering it. So a few things is you don't, you want to make sure to catch yourself and you don't fall into the serial, we call it side hustler, but serial entrepreneur, serial SER, you know, with not, not the cereal you eat where you're always hopping because there's some people are always hopping. So then you never build something substantial. Then you can never reap like the actual autonomy from it and like the real benefits. But it's really important to figure out a way if you have a business that you start to develop an exit strategy ASAP if you want to move out or you develop some strategy to automate it and outsource. And so I use an example in the book is like, you know, I had a client who had a lawn care business, but he was always working super hard so he could make more money and buy more equipment and have more loans. I'm like, why don't you just hire somebody instead of net profiting 300? Why don't you net profit one net profit 150 hire somebody for $150,000 or two people to run it and you don't have to do anything. And the guy's like, yeah, I'm like, then you can have your life back for like 150 grand a year. You just don't make an extra 150, which half of it goes to tax. So like, who cares? And so it's really thinking about like what's important and what's valuable when you make the pivot. 
the side hustle to the main business, go for it. But what I recommend is making sure number A is fairly stable and then B, again, be humble and then get around other people who are successful. Don't think because you've had business success in one industry, now it's just going to transfer right away. Some things will transfer, but not everything. Um, in terms of timing in your life, we're a big fan of what we call life set. So there's mindset and then life set. So life set is how mindset is our choices. Life set is, is like how we live, right? Or mindset is how we think life set is like our choices and how we live. And so if your life sets really screwed up, it's hard to start a lot of businesses. <laughs> so you might want to double back to the marriage. You might want to double back to the health a little bit, get some of those foundationally things good, get your business good. Then absolutely the timing is awesome to diversify. And there's so much opportunity right now. So that's a general answer. It's a better question more specifically to people's very like uh, niche situations, right? Well, Understood. I would, yeah. I would yeah. just add that a lot of times the entrepreneur is type A go-getter willing to work really hard. And so this idea of like, wait, slow down and like fix my spiritual walk or at least invest into my health. It feels counterintuitive, mm -hmm. but the bottom line is when you're willing to build a strong foundation, you can actually grow much more quickly and be a much more happy, healthy person. So it, it sounds like a slower process and maybe initially it is, but it, it can actually help you grow a lot more quickly in the long run. I love it. I love it. All right. We're going to switch gears to what I call the fast four. And sometimes you might get the same question and sometimes you might not. So here we awesome. go. Carrie, Carrie yeah. you're first. What's the most difficult part about working with your spouse? Being <laughs> non-judgmental of strengths and weaknesses. All right, Craig. Short answers. Yep. Whatever comes to your mind. All right, Craig, same question. What's the most difficult part about working with your spouse? I think compartmentalizing at times the personal relationship with business because they can, they can bleed into each other. And, you know, most of us, our business is kind of like our baby, right? So now I have three children or four children every time I start a new business and my biological ones and then, then a wife. So kind of compartmentalizing all that. If you want the quick answer again expansion will give you a lot more interesting <laughs> now we're going for the quick and your kids are yep. four and eight so they're little right. right now yes carrie favorite places or things for inspiration mm. i think ted talks are really powerful i also think just like hard copy books old school a lot of old school timeless books like seven habits and oh, seven habits so amazing yeah. we, we love that one so gotta sharpen your saw mm. craig what energizes you the most about your work? Oh gosh, I love being challenged and I love being forced to like develop new thinking and new skills. I think that the entrepreneurship is kind of like the vehicle to like get better in life or get better at something or, or challenge myself. So I love the challenge of it. All right, well, I lied, I'm not fast forward. It's gonna be deep six because I like asking you guys these questions. Two more, Carrie, what's your strangest daily habit? Oh, this shouldn't be strange. This should be normal, <laughs> but I floss every single day, sometimes multiple times a day. You <laughs> Your dentists love you <laughs> slash hate you because then you don't need them as much. <laughs> I get those beautiful teeth. Yeah, absolutely. She's gorgeous. And Craig, last one here for you. If you could have dinner with anyone, who would it be? Alive or dead? You're up to you. Up to me. I mean, I would probably go to the top and pick the highest level of spiritual uh, gurus that have existed on the planet. So, I mean, you've got Jesus, Buddha, and you know, Muhammad probably would be my top three to have a nice little chat with. I'm sure it would be a good. I'm sure it would be a good evening. 
<laughs> That's amazing. Thanks for indulging me, guys, on those questions. So the last yeah. and, and, and each of you, if you have one to share, is a favorite quote. Do you have a favorite quote about entrepreneurship or leadership that you could share with us? I don't know that this is like business related, but maybe more leadership related is the world owes us nothing. We owe, owe each other the world. And I think it's a good life mantra um, to take ownership, to give and to take responsibility. So here we oh go. Boy. I've got it. I'll take it off. <laughs> Anyone watching on YouTube is going to see a poster. Yeah, here, bring it back. Craig. What's that? Back. Okay, yeah. Yeah, bring it into the camera there. Can you, can you read yeah. it there? Hunter S. Thompson. I'll read it in a second. So yes, uh, it says, life should not be a journey to the grave with the intention of arriving safely in a pretty and well-preserved body, but rather to skid in broadside in a cloud of smoke, thoroughly used up, totally worn out, and loudly proclaiming, wow, what a ride. What a ride. And you guys have an adventure arm to, to your spirit, to what you do as a family, which maybe we hit on that really quick. And also, if you could touch on the nonprofit that you've created. Yeah, well, if you if you think about the word adventure, if you break it down, it's actually the word add and then venture. So it's actually add a side hustle, right? I mean, theoretically, or add a, add a hustle to your to your game, add a business. So it's very much a part of business and entrepreneurship. And I think that if people are looking to start a business and they want it to be predictable and paved and smooth, then you're in for a, you're in for a lot of disappointment and heartache. But if you think of it as an adventure, like I'm going on a hike or I'm going on like a wilderness expedition or something, then all of a sudden, like the business itself becomes its own adventure and its own like joy as you're going through it. Not always easy, not all every day is beautiful, but like, that's an adventure, right? That's not like a walk in the park. And so um, I think that's one of the best ways or we've incorporated adventure into our life, right? I mean, is to just be able to, to like say, hey, what the heck, let's start a podcast. Hey, what the heck, like, let's write a book. Let's start a nonprofit, right? So you wanna to speak to the nonprofit quick, honey? Yeah, so the nonprofit, um, we're looking to have three arms, but the current arm that we are focused on growing is actually helping an existing nonprofit um, called Before 16 who's helping older children in the adoption process um, find families just because there's such a small percentage. Once you get to a certain age, the percentage of adoption goes way, 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 way down. Um, and then children usually sit in the you know orphanage system, especially in other countries like Colombia is one of the main um, international markets that we're focused on helping. Um, you know, they age out at a certain age and just the reality is very dire for you know teenagers at that point so working on you know getting grant money for adoptive families who want to adopt but maybe just don't have that initial fund to be able to do that mm -hmm. and um, we're just warming up we're excited to add other arms to it um, the nonprofit is called tandem giving and you know it was just always a vision of ours on how do we actually create something that creates like really genuine impact for people who need it so finding families felt like a really good really good start for that so you guys, you're so mission driven and what you're doing and so extending it into how you spend your time, talent and treasure, right? It's all part of your ecosystem and, and not just the business enterprise, but also this social enterprise. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, if we really think about the thought, uh, our children or our family were with them during the holidays to have the thought of a child without like a family to like be with on the holidays just feels like, you know, really heart wrenching and really moving to us. And so I would say whatever area you're giving in, find something that really is moving. But if there's any way people want to support, they can give $5 or 5,000. You know, we've had bigger and smaller. So whatever works, they can go to Tandem, tandem Giving on our, on our website. Yep. 
that's probably a great spot to end. I was going to ask if there's a best way to get in touch with you to give into your charity. So you mentioned that link already. Any other ways if folks want to get in touch with you guys? Yeah, so people can actually just go to tandemconsulting.co, C-O, and we actually didn't do any social media. We didn't have any presence online at all until really the last couple of years. And now Carrie's done a great job on LinkedIn. I'm also active there. Um, so again, you can go to the website, tandemconsulting.co, uh, click on Tandem Giving is, is there, or um, you can reach out to us direct on LinkedIn. We're happy to help people in any way that we can, or at least point them in the right direction to smart people like you, Lori, uh, if, if your services are better than ours, for sure. It's so great to have you both on the show today. Thanks for sharing your story. Thanks for all of your insights. And I wish you much success. Thank you Thank so you much. Thank you so much, Lori. My objective is for you to have a lucrative and successful succession. If you want to understand the value of your company today, the potential net proceeds of a transaction, and your financial needs after you leave the business, that's a great place to start. The sooner you understand these numbers, the more time you'll have to close the gap if there is one. Take the next step by requesting an initial meeting to begin planning for your business transition and strategic exit today. Request a call with me by visiting smalldotbig.com. That's smalldotbig.com. I look forward to speaking with you.